It's a blessed time to once again come and be blessed by the preaching of the Word of the Lord. It is really a privilege, my friends, that we have this time. That despite all of these chaos happening around us, that we have these times and moments when we can just soak in the majesty of God's Word. Last Sunday, we started a sermon series for this month of August. We have entitled this series, Solid. And the emblem, the icon that we are making use of is the image of a diamond. Because of all the substances that this planet has ever been able to produce, the hardest of all is diamond. The most solid of all solids is diamonds. And I was glancing through one of the books and I came across this quote. I came across this quote by Peter Marshall. He said, and I quote, when we long for life without difficulties, remind us that oaks grow strong in contrary winds and diamonds are made under pressure. And so we reasoned last Sunday that that's really the essence of diamonds. Diamonds are made for billions and billions of years on the mantle of the planet under extreme heat and under extreme pressure. And they are now spewed out via volcanic eruptions. And they are pressed, they are ground, they are polished. Only that we can enjoy these sparkling gems in our necklaces or our rings, if not in our diamond stores. Victor Hugo, my, one of my favorite authors, the one that wrote Le Miserable, would say, the diamonds are found only in the dark places of the earth. Truths are found only in the depths of thought. So sometimes we become aberrant. Sometimes we resist dark times in our lives. Sometimes we don't enjoy, if not oftentimes, we don't enjoy the wilderness experiences that God subjects His children through. But it is a good reminder in this series that when we allow the Lord to work through us, through the, door, through the dark times that we go through, it is one of his most effective ways to bring out the diamond and the gem in us. And so last Sunday, we talked about the life of Moses. How life Moses unceremoniously started by him floating in the river Nile. That his parents had to let him go because otherwise the alternative was quite grim. And that was to be murdered in the spears, if not the swords, of this uh, homicidal maniac Egyptian army. And yet, coincidentally, we said, Moses was found by the very princess of Egypt. And because of that, Moses had the privilege of growing in the palace of the Pharaoh where he grew up as a man mighty in speech and mighty in action. And he became the prince of Egypt. If you have watched this uh, I don't know if this is a Pixar movie or a Disney movie. The Prince of Egypt is one of the most fantastic depictions of how life can turn in most ironic ways. When Moses was born to be a child of slaves and yet he grew up to be in the higher, if not the highest echelon of their society that they have known at the time. But Moses, we said last Sunday, went ahead of God's plans. He thought that he was already the self-appointed deliverer of the Israelites. And so in a fit of rage, he came attacking and he murdered one Egyptian. And because of that, he became a fugitive 
in this desert called Median, present-day Saudi Arabia. And we reasoned last Sunday that sometimes we have to have the Lord subjects His people to the Median experiences, the Median interludes within which God hones and shapes and God fashions us into becoming the people of character that He would want us to be because of the weight of the divine assignments that would, that would soon be upon the shoulders of Moses. And then, in the fullness of time, when he was 80 years old, now having spent 40 years in the desert of Midian, he had the burning bush experience. And out of that, the Lord's commission came that he was sending Moses back to Egypt because he would want to use Moses now to be the deliverer of the enslaved Israelites under the tyrannical rule of the Egyptians. And so we said last Sunday, we cannot discount the sovereign plans of the Lord. We can stay solid in times like this because we know that God's sovereign plans continue to unfold. And though we do not understand it, though we do not have the reasons behind the shaping and the pressing and all of these adversities that we are being subjected to, but if we can trust in the sovereign plans of the Lord, we will come out of every adversity solid, firm, people of integrity now ready to receive whatever divine assignments that will befall upon our shoulders to capture that destiny that God has designed for His children. And so today, we will continue our exposition on the book of Exodus. If you have now your Bibles, kindly open your Bibles to the third chapter of Exodus. We will be reading from verse 10. I'll just read for you a few verses in the interest of time, but we will preach on so much more. I'll be reading from the New International Version, so you may want to read along with me as you are now sitting comfortably in the comforts of your home. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The reading of the word of the Lord. Today's installment I have entitled Overarching Protection. We know and we know that we can be solid in our stand before the Lord. Because we know that God's overarching protection and God's deliverance had always been with Moses and it shall always be upon his children. I like how Celine Lazare depicted it this way. That God's protection encompasses the entire diamond. That in this process of being molded and shaped by God, it is the hand of the Lord that crafts us and it is the hand of the Lord that protects us. This is our prayer today. 
as we face the darkest days of this COVID. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that from days of old until the present times, your protection has never wavered. Your loving arms have always encircled and embraced your children. We can stand secure because we know, Lord, that your eyes are ever upon us. And so, Lord, we can walk through the deepest valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death, and still come out fearless because our eyes are fixed upon your rod and your staff. Our eyes are ever fixed on you, our shepherd, and because you are our divine protector and your protection overarches us, even our own limitations. So today, Father, we come to you in behalf of those that struggle with sickness, in behalf of those people from Lebanon that are now reeling from this massive explosion that they just went through, in behalf of the people of the world that reel in fear because of this COVID pandemic. Lord, today we ask that your power be preached, that the counsel of your Holy Spirit be upon your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone will say, Amen. If there is one factor, and if there is one variable, or if there is one constant, not the variable, if there is one constant that has walked with me in my pilgrimage of faith, it is the certainty that come hell or high water, that the protection of the Lord, no one can snatch me away from. That the protection of the Lord shall always be present. That God's loving arms, when He says in Genesis 15 to Abraham, that I am your shield. He just doesn't say that I will send somebody to shield you. But He Himself, He personifies that shield. He takes it personally that His people will always be shielded by His very presence. So from Abraham and now to Moses. The overarching protection of the Lord is made or was made manifest in every step of Moses' life. First, that the Lord is our protector from our unbelieving, fearful selves. If there is one person that we need protection from 24-7, if you'll just be honest, my friend, it is the protection of the Lord against your very own self. Because as human beings fallen as we are, susceptible as we are to the many fearsome things that are happening around us, as we are always have, as we always have this tendency, even nagtakutin ng ating mga sarili, kaya bumebenta palagi mga horror movies as gustong-gusto nating nagsisigaw at nanginginig sa takot at hindi nakakatulog sa gabi. Because somewhere deep inside this fallen soul, we have this proclivity, this penchant for the fearful things. And then, when that fear sets in in our souls, it now births to unbelief. And now many people have gone shipwrecked in their faith because they have allowed fear to have the better of them. Have you ever been fearful? Have you ever, have you ever seen that that fear has graduated even though you didn't intend it to be, to unbelief. And now, having faith in God is a much greater challenge because you know fear has now gripped your heart 
in ways that you haven't intended it, intended it to be in. I was watching lately the, the Filipino movie, General Luna. And this boisterous, very much courageous, even abrasive general, General Luna would say, Mga kapatid, mayroon tayong mas malaking kaaway kaysa sa mga Amerikano. At yan ang ating sarili. And he was referring to the time when that's why the Filipino combatants of his time were having such difficulty. We had difficulty fighting against the Spaniards and now the more versatile, the better armed Americans we proved to be of nothing compared to them. Why? Because the number one problem the Filipino General Luna would say, tayo, tayo, tayo mismo magkakaaway at ang ating pinakamatinding kaaway ang ating sarili. Mas pinipili natin pagdudahan kung sino tayo bilang isang bayan at bilang isang lahi. Now, that, that couldn't be more true even for Moses. Now, Moses had this burning bush experience and Moses was now being commissioned by the Lord after more than the first eight years of his life that he hadn't really considered God to be a reality. First 40 years, he was the prince of Egypt and the next 40 years as a lonely shepherd in Midian. But now, God was speaking to him through the burning bush. You know the number one enemy that he had to contend with and triumph over? His very own self. And so, you would think that Moses would have risen up in faith and say, Yes, Lord, let's go. You know I am mighty. You know I am a soldier. You know that I am mighty speech and action. But history and biblical truth would now tell us, Moses started complaining. Naging Batman si Moses, kapatid. Bat ako, Lord? Bat hindi na lang iba? Why me? Who am I? And Moses was saying this to Jehovah, the voice that was coming from that burning bush. He was saying, why me? Baka nagkakamali ka, Lord. I'm giving you a few more minutes. You can change your mind. Some people, if not all of us, are very much bent on casting doubts on the sovereignty of God. As if God just was left with no choice, kaya pinagpastor ka niya kasi wala nang ibang mapili si Lord sa buhay mo. Kaya siguro, yung lalaking yan or yung babaeng yan na napangasama mo dahil wala ka nang ibang choice. Kaya pagtsatsagaan mo na lang kung sino man ang bumagsak sa iyong mga kamay. Moses was of that kind of disposition. He was doubting himself and therefore he was doubting God in his sovereignty why God would consider, even consider, Moses to be the deliverer. But God was ever patient as he always was and he still is. And God said, no worries Moses, I will be with you. In times when you doubt yourself so much, God says, I will be with you. But then, the doubts of Moses persisted. Now, the question was even more insulting. The question was, but who are you? This was reflective that Moses really didn't know God. The eight years, the first eight years of his life didn't give him that needed infrastructure, faith infrastructure for him to have a deep-seated faith in Yahweh, the Deliverer and the God of Israel. 
He was saying, you're commissioning me to go to the Israelites. But what if they ask me, what is the name of this God that you're telling us is sending you to us? And again, God would patiently reason with Moses. And God said, I am who I am. This is what you're going to tell your fellow Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So parang sa mga grammar Nazis dyan, mukhang nagkamali ang grammar ni Lord. Ano po? He did not say, I am sending you, I am sending you to them. But the Lord ascribes himself the name, I am. And this name, I am, is the one that is sending you unto them. Now you would think Moses would now be content and say, okay, hallelujah, let's go. Yes, Lord, you will be with me and now I know your name. But again, unbelief persisted in Moses. What if they don't believe me? So again, if you are God, you must have already smitten, you must have struck Moses by this time, right? Kulit And Moses' question was really about his own reputation. You would want me to face Pharaoh? You would want me to talk to the elders of Israelites? What if I fall flat on my face? I have done it once. I don't want it to happen again. And the Lord would say, all right, with that staff that you're holding, throw it now. It becomes a snake. Pick it up. It has become a staff again. Put your hands on your cloak. Take it out. It had become leprous. Take it out. And now it was cleansed. Or put it back and now it was cleansed. And the Lord says, I will accompany you with signs of wonders and miracles. But then he says, but if they do not believe these two signs or even listen to you, then you can take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water will take from the river and it will become blood on the ground. Meaning that Moses, yes, I will be with you. I am giving you my name and I am giving you a, um, a front seat in the unfolding of my miracles before the people of Israel. Good enough for Moses? Moses could have said, all right, good enough for me. Let's go, Lord, and let's kick some pharaohs. But not yet. The unbelief persisted, persisted. But I am not eloquent. Now, Moses, talagang kung ayaw may dahilan. Lahat ng kadahilanan nilalabas ni Moses. But Lord, I cannot even speak well. Utal nga ako magsalita. Now, Acts chapter 7 last week would remind us that Moses was mighty in speech and in action. But here, Moses was giving God the excuse that I am not really an orator. Maybe you could raise somebody who had who has the gift of gab, somebody who has glib, somebody who can just razzle and dazzle people with their mighty speech. But ever patient God told Moses, Moses, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Oh, what an assurance. That what God would say, I am the sovereign God of all my creation. 
I can do what I want to do. I can even make a mule or a donkey speak. I can even make these rocks praise me. If I want to speak through you, I will give you the words that you're going to speak at that moment. So don't ever be afraid of your eloquence because it is not about you. It is not about your ability. It is about your availability. That must have been a great sermon, huh? But Moses again, intent on running away from the assignments that God was giving him. And Moses says, please, anybody but me. Please send someone else. And you know what? Exodus chapter 4 verse 14 records that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Patay kang bata ka Moses. Pag ang Diyos na ang ginalit mo, where will you run? Who will you run to for protection if God Himself will burn in anger to you? And I was reading this in Strong's, and the Greek word would say that God contorted His face, that even His nostrils was fuming, were fuming because of the rage that God felt towards Moses. I have given you all the assurances, Moses. I have given you my presence, my name, my power. I will speak through you, and I will speak to you. And yet, Moses at the end would say, no, 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 Lord, not me. Anyone else but not me. And yet God, by His grace, did not strike Moses. Aren't we glad, my friends, that despite all our rebelliousness, all our stiff-necked nature, our obstinate attitudes in life, our hard-headedness, God would still bail us out as a father would have compassion to His children. And that's why God said, okay, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. Oh, God is our divine, overarching protector. He protects us from ourselves. He protects us from our tendencies to self-destruct, to self-doubt, to, to abase ourselves, our self-deprecating. Masyado nating inaapi ang ating mga sarili para lamang hindi natin masunod at para lamang hindi tayo mabigyan ng tall order para gawin ang ipinapagawa ng Diyos. Now let me ask you, my friends, what excuses have you, have you been giving God for not listening and obeying Him. And how have you experienced God's grace of patience over you? Kung ako lang ang Diyos, butin lang hindi. Kung ikaw lang si Lord, butin lang hindi. Siguro ang dami mo nang tinanggal ang muka sa balat ng lupa. Because if our patience would be tried, you know how impatient we can be towards other people. You know how Short our stick of patience can be when it comes to people's obstinacy or people's hard-headedness and stubbornness. But thank God that as He makes diamonds out of us, as He presses us, as He polishes us, He knows, as Psalm 103 would say, that as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows, Psalm 103 would say, how we are formed, and He remembers that we are dust. Oh, hallelujah. Alam ng Diyos ang ating kahinaan, 
alam ng Diyos ang ating tendency na kung pababayaan lang natin ang ating mga sarili to just have it on our own terms, on our own ways. There are many things that we have done, there are many things that we have done, and there are many things that we will be doing that will displease the Lord. Enough for Him to judge us and castigate us and banish us into eternal oblivion. But God doesn't do so. God is very patient with us. And His patience is our protection. And so, the story continues. That now Moses finally said yes to the Lord. Nagpaalam siya sa kanyang father-in-law if he could take Zipporah and their sons now back to Egypt. And so, from Median, present-day Saudi Arabia, now Moses and his family started on their way so that finally they could rejoin the rest of the Israelites in Goshen, that area in Egypt where the slaves were camped by the Egyptians. And now that Moses was ready to fulfill the commission of the Lord to set the people of the Lord free. Second point for today, the Lord is our divine protector, not only from ourselves, but from hard-hearted, stubborn people. And we are so surrounded by that, my friends, even in the present times, that so many people are just also like us, so hard-headed, so hard-hearted, and so stubborn, given a choice. They would mudsling upon you. They would criticize you. They would bash you. They would doubt your very own calling. I've been a pastor for 20 years now, and I've been surrounded by so many loving people in Lighthouse but once or twice, I've had somebody telling me how they could not countenance my face. And they could listen to anybody else but not you, Pastor Jojo. And it hurts, right? But it's okay. God is our protector. When we are being attacked, when our very own integrity, when our very own sense of calling, you now tend to doubt because people now doubt you for who you are. And in the narrative of Moses... It came in the person first of the Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron were now commissioned by God. Okay, tandem kayo. Pupuntahin nyo ang Pharaoh ng Egypt. And he will set, he will set my people free. He will, you will be able to liberate my people. And so they went. And with authority, with anointing, they, said, they, they would say now, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. First bump on the road. And Moses probably was dumbfounded. Maybe Moses thought that this was his chance, that by his word, because God says he will speak through Moses, he would speak through Moses, and now Pharaoh would be so intent and so lenient and say, Aganumba, sigi go. Kung yun ang gusto ninyo, then you have my permission. But then the Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the Pharaoh questioned the very integrity of the God of Israel. Who is your Lord? I don't know him. So why should I let you go? And the imperative would tell, would say, that from the moment on, Pharaoh doubled, if not tripled, the burdens of the Israelite slaves. He now accused Moses. 
you're just being lazy. You're just trying to find an easy way out of your, of your role here in Egypt. You've been staying here for 430 years. Now, you just want to be freeloaders? No way. And so he told the four men, the Egyptian foreman, from this time on, make the lives of the Israelite slaves even harder. Don't give them the straw. Make them scavenge for straws, but allow them or demand from them as much quota of bricks that they would have to produce every day. And so there was moaning and there was just griping amongst the slaves, the Israelites, and they started pointing their accusing fingers on Moses and Aaron. Now, my friends, to the fellow leaders that I am talking to right now, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been subjected to a leadership role when you were so convinced this is the right thing to do? And the management, the higher-ups, the board of directors said, we will back you up, we will, we will be right behind you. And then when things started to disintegrate, and when people started complaining and griping and declare upon a strike, you were the only one who would take the brunt for this. So when Moses left the Pharaoh, when the people left the Pharaoh after they complained to the Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And the people said, May the Lord look upon you and judge you because you have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So what are the people saying? If not for your being a meddler, Moses... Maganda ng buhay namin eh. You were gone for 40 years and our life here was okay. Yes, we were slaves, pero kumakain naman kami. Yes, we were slaves, we have been slaves, and yet the Egyptians are not that cruel unto us. But now that you came at nagpabida ka, nagpabibo ka sa harap ng Pharaoh, what happened? Now our burdens have doubled, tripled, if not quadrupled. You, Moses, should be judged by the Lord. Now, going back to the movie of General Luna that I was watching a few days back, General Luna, in his exasperation, in his moment of desperation, he said, Ganito ba talaga ang tadhana natin? Kalaban ng kalaban? Kalaban ng kakampi? Nakakapagod? Now, of course, nagmura siya pagkatapos nun. Hindi ko nagagayahin. But that's the struggle of many people. To have your enemy, to be your adversary is but normal. But to have your own countrymen rising up against you, at ikaw pa ngayon ang nagiging kontrabida, now that's something else. If you are not, if you are of lesser character, you would easily just give in and say, this is a thankless job. Why would I even persist? Right? I, I can just feel for the government officials that are right now sleepless and government officials that are now rocking their brains and yet people are saying, resign, resign, resign. I could just feel for our own doctors and our medical worker frontliners and they just appealed for a timeout and one senator said, no need, <laughs> just do your job better or to that tone. Kung kalaban mong kalaban mo, naiintindihan ko, pero yung dapat kakampi ay kinakalaban ka. Yan ang sobrang nakakapagod at nakakaubos ng lakas sa isang leader. And Moses must have felt that. And that's why he returned to the Lord and he said, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon these people? Look at that prayer. Is this why you sent me? 
ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Now, it's a very painful prayer. If you were God listening to this prayer, you would have been insulted. But God, in his overarching protection over his frail people, understood that Moses was not quite ready for this. Moses at this time had not matured yet in his calling as a leader. And Moses was really now griping, Lord, what is it that you really want me to do? I thought you would be with me. I thought that you would speak through me. I thought that people would accept me now as their deliverer. But now, Lord, why is it that from bad it has now turned to worse? Lord, when is it going to be the deliverance of your people? Frustrations are very much a thing right now in these COVID times. And so I ask you, my friend, have you come to the point of frustration? That it's all now your leader's fault? Resign, Duterte. Resign, Duque. I'm not pro-administration. I'm not anti-administration. But sometimes in the people's frustration, right now people would want the very elected leaders, appointed leaders, to step down and who will replace them? You don't even have an alternative scenario. But out of the venting of the frustrations of many people, it is now the leader's fault. Or in a family setting, it is now the parents' fault. Kasalanan mo yan, nanay. Kasalanan mo yan, pa. Kaya nagkaganito ang buhay natin. And ultimately, it is now God's fault for orchestrating such a story in the lives of the Israelites or maybe in the life of our nation right now. But let me say this, my friends. The day you accept yourself, the way God accepts you is the day you stop doubting and start cooperating with God. Pag dumating tayo sa punto mga kapo Pilipino na hindi na natin pinagdududahan kung sino nga ba tayo bilang isang lahi. Sino nga ba tayo bilang mga hinirang at mga pinili ng Diyos to be the kind of people in this kind of country for this, for this kind of circumstances, for this kind of generation, if we stop doubting the way God has fashioned us to be, I believe we can start cooperating with the great plans that God is now unfolding in the lives of His children. Our number one enemy is ourselves. Our second enemy are the doubting kababayans around us. When we Filipinos, parabang mas... Mas madali sa ating Pilipino na kabiliban ang kahit na anong banyaga. Kung anong ginagawa ng Singapore, ng Vietnam, ng Norway, ng America, ng Australia, we celebrate that. But anything and everything that the Philippine government does or any Filipino does, we are so quick to castigate and doubt and say, Chamba lang yan. And that's why we don't thank our government officials for the good things that they do, but we're so quick on the trigger to crucify them for whatever palpak things that they seem to be doing. It boils down to our being enslaved probably by the Spaniards for 300 years and by the Americans for 50 years and by the Japanese for another four years. That somehow this slave mentality, just like the slave mentality of the, the Israelites, just like the slave mentality of Moses, when we don't have an ounce of belief on who we are, and that's why we doubt our calling as a people. We doubt our capacities as a people. 
Kung gagawin ng China, bow tayo. Kung gagawin ng Amerika, bow tayo. Pero yung kagalingan ng Pilipino, kailan natin paniniwalaan? Yung kagalingan ibinigay ng Diyos sa ating bayan bilang isang lahi. Yung kadalisayan ng mga kadahilanan ibinigay ng Diyos sa ating lahi bilang isang Pilipino. Kailan natin pagtitiwalaan? The day we start cooperating with God, I believe, is the day that we can now see the unraveling of the great destiny of our nation. Ikangan ng kartilya ng katipunan ni Emilio Asinto kung naalala niyo pa ang inyong araling panlipunan ng unang panahon. Let me read this for you as it is now being focused on screen. Emilio Asinto would say, ang kamahalan ng tao ay wala sa pagkahari, wala sa tangos ng ilong at puti ng mukha, wala sa pagkakaparing kahalili ng Diyos, wala sa mataas na kalagayan sa balat ng lupa, wagas at tunay na mahal na tao, kahit laking gubat at walang nababatid kundi ang sariling wika, yaong may magandang asal, may isang pangungusap, may dangal at puri, yaong di napapaapit, di nakikiapi. Yaong marunong magdamdam at marunong lumingap sa bayang tinubuan. No split ka kapatid, no? In English, man is not worth more because he's a king or because his nose is aquiline and his color is white, not because he's a priest, a servant of God, nor because of the high prerogative that he enjoys upon earth. But he is worth most who is a man of proven and real value, who does good and keeps his words, is worthy and honest. He who does not oppress nor consent to being oppressed. He who loves and cherishes his fatherland, though he be born in the wilderness and know not tongue, but his own. Kapo Pilipino, kailan natin pagtitiwalaan ang bawat isa. Kailan natin tunay na sa buhay ang bayanihan na sa panahon ng pandemya hindi tayo dapat naghihilahan pababa bagkos tayo nagtutulungan pataas na hindi tayo dapat kabahagi ng problema bagkos tayo ay kabahagi ng solusyon. Salamat at Diyos na siya ang ating protection sa mga panahong ganito. From our own fallenness as people, from our own idiosyncrasies as cultural people, God is our protector and that's why we are still alive and that's why we are still one as a nation. But you see, there's a greater protection that we should always be thanking the Lord for. And that, that the Lord is protecting us from the deceptions and the tyranny of the false gods that so surround us. As Christians, we are the ones that will preach about this because the reality of gods and goddesses, the, the reality of the spiritual dimensions of this planet is one reality that not everyone adheres to. This is one reality that not everyone so easily believes in. As a matter of fact, many people would dismiss this as purely myth, if not superstitious. But we know better if we have been students of the Bible, if we have followed the footsteps of the story of Jesus, that as much as there is a physical realm that we see with our naked eye, there's an even greater invisible realm that surrounds us. And in that realm are principalities, demons in the air, 
powers that now control and blind those that are clueless about the workings of the enemy. The Gospel of John would say that the devil was a murderer from the very beginning and he does not stand in the truth. For there is no truth in the devil. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. That is what Satan has been doing from, from the very beginning of creation when he deceived Adam and Eve. Even up to the time when Moses was now trying to confront the Pharaoh, Moses had to acknowledge that more than the Pharaoh, the figurehead of this great civilization called Egypt, as he was now confronting the stubbornness of his own people, the Israelites, Moses had to recognize that there was greater power that he had to confront, that God had to confront. And those were the false gods and goddesses that were reigning in that territory called Egypt. That's why, if I may fast-track Exodus in chapter 12, verse 12, the Lord would summarize the things that he was doing to the, to the nation of, his, of Egypt as an act of judgment. He says, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt because I am the Lord. This is a good indication, my friend, that more than the leaders that we see, if we tend to blame the leaders in Malacanang, if we tend to castigate now the corrupt officials of PhilHealth, for example, know that yes, they are guilty and they should be thrown to prison if they are judged guilty. But realize as Christians, our role, our greater role is to pray, to engage in spiritual warfare because there are greater principalities. There are demons of darkness that are controlling the minds and the hearts of these people in power. And that's why corruption is very much rampant in our generation from times of old up to the present time. Corruption has always been there. Why? Because demonic powers control the hearts and minds of people. The plagues of Egypt were in actuality judgments of the Lord. Not just against the Pharaoh. Not just against the Egyptians that maltreated the people of God. But more so, it was a judgment against the gods and the goddesses of Egypt that corrupted this nation. And that's why they were so steeped in sin. The plague of blood, for example, the first plague out of the ten plagues, when all of a sudden, when Aaron dipped his staff on the Nile River, the river turned into blood. And now they could not bathe, they could not drink from the, from the river, and now fishes died and there was such a stench all over Egypt because of the dead uh, aquatic life that surfaced because the river turned into blood. More than the reality that it turned into blood was the spiritual truth that it was God's judgment against Happy, the Egyptian god of the Nile. The Nile River is a very mystic river for the Egyptians. They would go to that river to worship this god, this false god called Happy. So when God turned this river into blood, it was God's message to the rest of the world. Your god is a false god. Let him now act against me. Let him now countervene whatever it is that I have done. And then came the plague of frogs. From the river turned blood, now came leaping. All the frogs and all the land of Egypt 
were just filled with frogs. Talagang magkakakulugo ka, sabi nila, pag ikaw ay nalapitan ng palaka. And just, just imagine this. If your house right now where you are started being surrounded by the kokak, kokak, kokak of all these frogs coming from everywhere and coming from nowhere. Second plague. But more than the physical frogs that they were seeing, now we know that it was the judgment of God against this Egyptian god called Heket. Their goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. A goddess that looked like frog. So I juxtapose here an artist's rendition and even the actual stones engravements in Egypt that you can find if you go there right now. That they worship and probably they are still worshiping that kind of God that looked like a frog. And so God was telling them, you worshipped a frog-looking goddess like this and you forgot about me. Now let's see who the real God is. And the third plague came, the plague of the nuts. And the Tagalog ng nuts? Ito yung, these are like, uh, I, I forgot the Tagalog term for that, but you would see this like fly-like, mas maliit pa sa langaw. And they would be surrounded, say, in the beach, right? I just, I, that escaped me now. But the plague of gnats was really a uh, judgment against Geb, the Egyptian god of the earth. So that when Aaron struck, when Aaron struck the ground, all of a sudden from the dust of the ground, the gnats came flying and they started infesting all the Egyptians. And then came the plague of flies. Ang mga langaw. Lahat na lang ng langaw, kadiring mga langaw. Why? Because it was a judgment against Kepri, the Egyptian god of creation, the movement of the sun and rebirth. And you could notice the face of Kepri. It's like one bug. Para siyang langaw, kapatid. So God was now telling even this false god, you have been deceiving the people of Egypt you have now even allured, you have now deceived son of my children Israel to worship you now. Let's see if he can stop the flies from the infestations. And then came another plague. All the livestock died, the cows, the goats, the sheep. Why? Because God was judging Hathor, the goddess of love and protection. This goddess that looked like a cow herself. And then came the plague of boils. Nagka, nagkaroon ng pigsa ang katawan ang mga balat ng mga Egyptians. Why? Because it was in judgment of Isis, the god of the goddess of medicine and peace. And they would offer their offerings to this goddess, thinking that she would give them some relief to their medical condition. But now they were being proven wrong. And then came the plague of hail. Biglang nagulan ng yelo na may kasamang apoy sa kanilang bayan. It was a judgment against the goddess called Not, the goddess of the sky. And so you would have these pictures in Egyptian culture how this goddess would now just hover over the Egyptians because she was the goddess of the sky. And now plagues, the hail were raining from the skies, and this goddess could do could do anything, could do nothing about this. And then came the plague of locust because it was a judgment against Seth, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder. And came the plague of darkness where everything in Egypt 
was dark except the place where the Israelites were in Goshen because it was in utter humiliation of their sun god named Ra. Now even their sun god named Ra or Amun-Ra was helpless to make the sun come out. There was just total solar eclipse for three days. The light would not even come sipping in except for the people of Israel. That in all of these plagues that came, except the first three, from the fourth to the tenth plague, Israelites in Goshen were exempted from this. This was a time of differentiation. This is a time when God was telling the people of Egypt, you have castigated, you have enslaved, you have maltreated my people for 430 years. Now I am setting them apart from you. Now I am showing you that I, their God, haven't forgotten them. I have not relinquished my being God over them. And because of this, my protection will be upon them that even as these plagues now cripple the entire economy, the social and the moral fabric of the entire Egyptian nation, except the place where the Israelites were. My friends, a great plague is upon us. Not only upon our nation, but the rest of the world. The plague of this COVID, the plague of atheism, the plague of immorality, the plague of idolatry, the plague of materialism. I pray that as we remain in the overarching protection of the Lord, 10,000 may fall on our, on our sides, but no disaster will come near our tents. And of course, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. When God announced that the angel of death would soon visit the entire Egyptian nation. And he would take away the life of every firstborn. From the Pharaoh down to the lowest slave that is Egyptian. It was a judgment upon the Pharaoh himself. The Pharaoh who believed that he was God incarnate. The Pharaoh whom the people were worshipping as the ultimate power of Egypt. God was now saying, let me see if you've got any power to salvage or save the life of your very own son. But you see, the protection of the Lord was upon his people as he now mandated that they apply the blood of their slaughtered lamb or goat upon the door frames of every Jewish house in Goshen so that when the Passover night came and the angel of death came hovering and as God brought forth the here is judgment on all the gods of Egypt. The Lord says, I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign, a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Such is the faithfulness of God, my friend. That though plague may really cripple the nation of Egypt, but not so for the chosen ones of the Lord. Today, as I said, much things are upon us. People are now wailing and crying, and death toll has risen. Many have fallen amongst, amongst the frontliners. The most intelligent, even the, rich, 
churches of nations are now just raising their hands up in surrender. The COVID vaccine is nowhere in sight. Probably early 2021, they say. But lose no confidence, my brothers and sisters. The same God that protected us, that protected the, Egypt, the Israelites in Egypt, is the same God that hovers over us. So that we might be pressed, but we will not be crushed. We might be struck down, but we will not be destroyed. Because God, the God that protected the Israelites, is the same God that protects us by the very blood of Jesus Christ that covers His children. We need to pray, my friends. We need to pray. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The God of this world has kept the eyes of the unbelievers to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And that's why there's rampant immorality all around us. Because people, despite all the proofs that God has sent to the people of this planet, how benevolent, how loving, how generous He can be to His children, people still chose, people are still choosing to worship the false gods and goddesses of this life. Let's make it more relevant as I end this sermon. Right now we're being racked and we are just being scandalized beyond our capacity to believe. Phil Health, 18 billion pesos, gone just like that. And nobody is being held accountable for that. Yung ati Josinamin, yung yaya Josinamin, so conscientiously goes to Phil Health office to give her contribution month after month, some meager salary na meron siya, nagbibigay siya ng Phil Health contribution. And now they're saying by 2022, Phil Health will be fundless. The God of this age continues to corrupt the minds of people. SAP, Social Amelioration Program, being corrupted by this Conscienceless mayors in cahoots with DSWD officers in many parts of our nation. How calloused they can be. And now the explosion in Beirut. They say it's accident, but some intelligence reports would say it's really an offshoot of a missile that they've been trying to develop in that part of the city. Oh, my friend, let us be praying that God shall lift the veil of blindedness amongst the eyes of so many people. Because it is only by His power and grace that we can see His grace and His power working in and through us. Now more than ever, we should share the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is only through His gospel that people can be set free from the enslavement, maybe not literal and physical enslavement, but the enslavement of Satan over all the people of this planet. When we are enslaved by fear, where we are enslaved by depression, when we are enslaved by anxieties, where we are enslaved by all of the other things except God. If we be prisoners, let's be prisoners of the gospel of Jesus because it's the only enslavement that is liberating. And I pray that in this moment, my friend, 
that we can invoke the covering of the blood of Jesus over our families. Because those who belong to Him are safe in this life and the next. The solid, overarching protection of God. How did the Lord speak to you, my friend, in this narrative that we just went through? Moses was right smack in the unfolding of this story of God for his people, Israel. Moses was right at the center of this narrative as the Lord was now judging the gods and the goddesses of Egypt. But today, we are in this Egypt-like situation. Will you consider God? Will you run unto the strong tower of the Lord? Will you consider the truth that only in Jesus will you find safety? Or will you continue to run away? Will you continue on your own obstinate, that's the word for today, hard-headed stubbornness, stiff-necked nature? Will you continue to reject the Lord? Will you continue to snub Him? Will you continue to turn your back away from Him when He alone can cover you? My friends, God is making solid diamonds out of us. He is one solid protector and is wanting us to be solid for Him. But no, my friend, you cannot do this on your own strength. You can only do this when you allow yourself to be under His sovereignty and make Him the Lord, the Savior, and King of your life.